welcome to Britpop Banter. My name is Kevin. This is Leslie. Hello. Hello. This is our 10th episode. Yeah, I know. Milestone. Well, yeah, I think the intro doesn't count. So I think next episode is the one where we go, hooray, we, we did 10 proper episodes on bands. Um, so this is Britpop Banter. Our plugs at Britpop Banter on Facebook and Twitter. And you can email us BritpopBanter at gmail.com. Questions, feedback, thoughts. And also, if you can, leave a rating as well. That'd be great. And usual disclaimer, all views expressed on this podcast are 100% our own. And while we poke fun at some bands and artists, we appreciate their talent and sacrifice to create these albums. Let's get in it. Last week, Audio Web. What was your thoughts on that? Uh, thoughts were that it was good to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I think, an underrated album. Maybe not everybody will think the same yeah, as us. Yeah, it's been a bit, a bit mixed bit so far. Back on that one. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine. That's fine. Everyone's well, entitled to it's, their it's, opinion. It starts a conversation about bands and music, which is what we yeah. want to do. Um, and again, look, it's subjective to a point. You love that album for, you know, personal reasons. I think it's a good album, but I'm glad we spoke about them. I agree. I agree. And... Um... It's a shame in the end kind of what happened to them and the fact that unfortunately they didn't get the sort of attention they deserved. Yeah. Um, but I think we did I think we did them justice. That episode was a lot of fun and it was just good to go through the album again. All right, so let's kind of go through uh, our sort of homework from last week. The question of and I think she was number 1, right? In the number in the singles of the album chart, it was Jane McDonald. Yeah. And you said she was a dinner lady? I said cruise you lady. S- you did. She was on one of those programs. She was. She was on a program called The Cruise. There we go. There you go. And um, so she was on a BBC show called The Cruise, and then she went into to singing, and um, she's got heaps of albums. Heaps, like heaps, heaps. I'm serious. Yeah, every couple of years she's got a new album out. Wow. So, and it does really well. Row, row, row your boat down the street. <laughs> Is that one of her songs? No. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Uh, also, I remember last week you caught me off guard with Marion. Yeah, I didn't catch you off guard. That's what you think. No, you th- you th- you actually put words in my I mouth. I didn't. You said them. I just repeated them back to you. You asked me a really you caught you asked me a question that caught me off guard around describing their sound, and then I butchered it, and then you ran no, with it. No, right? I just repeated back to you what you said just to clarify for the one liner. <laughs> so that's what happened. So can I? I no, I, you can't. What do you mean? You can't retract it. You can't go back no, in no, it. No, no, I'm not going to... Well, if I'd done that, I would have edited it. So it's it's out. It's out. Um, but I do want to read you this. This is from themankreview.com. All right? This is on Marion. I don't know who wrote this. And you'll see it's it's interesting. Marion reminds me of that brainy, moody boy at school you had a huge crush on. The one you worshipped and adored until one day they decided to drop out before they finished their exams. You feel a bit, You feel a bit miffed. You wonder where they are until years later you see them all grown up in the supermarket checking out their deluxe ready-made meals, looking all smart, groomed and smelling of expensive cologne. Bear with me here. This is weird, all right? Uh, Unlike other boys you quite fancied at school, Marion were a bit complex, a rebel closet poet with undeniable sex appeal which made you feel a little bit weak and corrupted. Marion back in the day were unlike their peers. They were an obvious Britpop band, more of a crossbreed of Joy Division, early U2 and the Manic Street Preachers, dabbling with dang- jangly riffs likened to the Smiths and James. 
In essence, they were crazy. Like they were in, in essence, they were like a crazy mixed-up kid discovering post-punk while still recovering from the early '90s grunge explosion. The fact that Rough Trade Records released Marion's debut single "Violent Man" back in '94 made it easy for them to be given the Britpop tag. Thoughts? Um, she's clearly got issues from school. <laughs> What if I'd have led with that? What if that had been my Britpop one-liner? But, but, well, <laughs> we're back to Britpop paragraphs. This would have been Britpop thesis. Yeah, it's. I, I, I just. I was trying to describe it, like what they sound like. That's not what you think they sound like. Don't even try. It's what this. Don't, it's no, what this person think thinks that. they sound no, like. No, you think they all sound just, the same. That's what no, you. No, no, no. That's what this. Well, per- I just thought maybe this person. That's not what you think. Anyway, finished with Marion. Yep. Okay. I was finished with Marion last week. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't just, know why we had to go on again. I've just been beat up a bit on, on social, so uh, I had to correct myself on that. Um, all right, so concerts, right? Yes. So last week we said we'd had a couple of uh, concerts coming up, and we've knocked one out, mm-hmm. which is good. Who did we go and see? Orbital. Not Britpop related at Not all. Not Britpop related, but, but how, great. They were they're British. That's true. You know, and as far as we're concerned, that fits. <laughs> that fits. <laughs> how did you enjoy it? Um, I loved it. It wasn't as good as the last time. Yeah, you said that at the time. Yeah, there was a bit. They didn't do. They didn't do a lot. They didn't do funny break. Which is they didn't your do the box. Side, yeah. Like they just there was. I too much of their new stuff. Woo ha ha, boo ha ha. I, I loved that. Loved that. The laugh track. Yeah. I um. I thought they were better musically than we've ever seen them because they remixed a lot of their old work and all of the reworks or remixes worked for me. I had a great time. Do you remember what they did to Halican on and on? That song? Do you remember the little sample they played in the middle of it? Mm. Caught everyone off guard. They've actually played it before at Glastonbury, but you sort of went, what? Do you remember where... where no. Where we're we going with this, Liz? Oh, yeah, I know where you're going with <laughs> so, Heaven is a place uh-huh. on earth. By? Belinda Carlisle. So halfway through the, the Halican song, they stop and pump out Belinda Carlisle um, which goes perfectly with the song. Yep. And then they pump in a bit of Bon Jovi over the top of that as well, which just works and it's awesome. And for people who have never heard it before, everyone's just sort of stunned and then get into it. Why is that? Why am I calling? Why is that important, Liz? No idea, Kev. Could it be that someone went to see Belinda Carlisle? Don't even. Come on. Look, I did that as a favour. <laughs> <laughs> a huge favour. It, it's huge. Yeah. How was it? It was like watching your granny <laughs> sing you a couple of songs with her nice down the front crease trousers from Mark Suspenser. <laughs> if I'm honest, um, to, look, she look great voice. Like she's aged very well, but I imagine that's been expensive. Um, but <laughs> um, so but we- the, the place went so. So it's the same venue we went to see Orbital. Yes. It was busier. At Belinda? At Belinda. Away. I promise you that. Wow. Could not move. Gee, what is? People were buying t-shirts, stubby holders, the whole lot. People were going mental. For Belinda Carlisle. But I guess she's a... a Icon? Oh, maybe. Don't know. Um, so it's pretty funny because the same venue had Belinda Carlisle on a Friday and then Saturday had Bananarama. I didn't go with that. <laughs> No. Ticket sold out list. Didn't no, my favours have run out. <laughs> and then what are we talking? Four days later, you've got Orbital in there. It's yeah, it's, it's such a it's such an awesome venue. 
And where are we going on Friday? Friday? We've got the Happy Mondays! Woohoo! In the same venue. In the same venue again. Now, I've been watching the Happy Mondays because they're, they're, we're sort of the, one of the last stops, actually. They've done um, New Zealand and they've done a few stops. They've done Adelaide and Perth, I think, already. Getting rave reviews. Like five, really? five out of five rave reviews from everyone who's seen them. So I'm super pumped and um, I'm excited. On the Happy Mondays, yep. right? Uh, Rowetta from the Happy Mondays. Yep. She uh, has done a song with the Fun Loving Criminals. What? Yeah, because the I'm looking at, at new albums and the Fun Loving Criminals, not Britpop. However, they were on TFI Friday every second week. Um, they did a song called Daylight, and the Fun Loving Criminals actually have a new album um, called Another Mimosa, and Mimosa's kind of their B-side um, remixes, all that sort of stuff. They have done their own version of White or Shade of Pale by Annie Lennox. Oh no way. Uh, they are touring the UK at the moment and they're playing Cool Britannia in August. So someone thinks they've got a bit to do with Britain. Just saying. Um, but yeah, so that, I thought that was really interesting. That Happy Mondays, interesting. song with Rowetta. And uh, yeah, we're going to go see them Friday. All right, we shared a bit of a milestone this week with downloads and I'm not going to give the number, but did you see it? Yes. Pretty good. Mm. So... Next week is our officially our sort of 10th episode and I'd like to do a bit of a recap on sort of what what we've learned and what we've thought of some of the episodes so far. Um, but from us, you know, this was an idea we kicked around for a while and um, to actually see some of the numbers coming through, we really appreciate everyone's support. No, we do. Thank you for listening. So thank you so much for listening. Kev's not an easy listen. I appreciate that. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> You're going to get your payback this episode if you keep that up maybe. <laughs> uh all right so homework yes album music wise homework yes couple of albums and one you were really not excited about no so that was martin <laughs> car <laughs> your face uh so you had martin car because i think it was tim said you know you guys bag out the Boo Radleys, have you listened to Martin's solo stuff? We said no and listened to it. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Tim. And um, you had the Mannix as well. Yes. Oh, look at the difference. Look at the difference. Wow. What do you want to take first? Martin Carr. Go on. New Shapes of Life. Yes. I did not enjoy my life <laughs> while listening to the album. So, <laughs> album starts off well. New Shapes of Life's not a bad song. It's a great song. And I thought, oh. Maybe I'm... Look, I'll admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> and I thought, that's not bad. The second song was okay. But then we get to The Main Man. Oh! Awful! That's one of my favourite songs. That's, well, that's what I mean. You really don't like that song? No. And the next one. I actually think that's Future my fav- favourite song. The Main album. Man. It's a great song. I sometimes... I can't believe... I, I just... No, it all goes downhill from me. Though. So... There's eight, so we'll talk about this album briefly. It's called an album. It's really not. It's eight songs, and it's thirty minutes long. All right. So Martin, you're which not, was a relief. You're, <laughs> Martin, you're not getting any of my money either no, because well, it doesn't fit my yeah. pound a song mantra. But I, I actually, I, I don't know why it's only eight songs because it's actually really good, really good. I thought it was really impressive, and it's hard to rate because I don't get that. If, remember ultrasound. Right, six songs, 
but you get a full hour of music, right? Because yeah, yeah. that last song's you know forty five minutes long or whatever. How do you rate an album with eight songs? Easy, four out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> you do it like that, Keith. Oh. I was a bit generous than you. Six, six and a half. Yeah, maybe I'd push it to five. Because I can't, I can't. Just for the first track, because I really enjoy the first yeah. track. I actually really like it. I'd listen to that again. I'd put that on a playlist. Well, good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and the second. I think track. you talked about future reflection. That was one I went. Meh. No, I didn't like that. But. That's the thing. It's actually the songs I feel are good. There's just not enough of them. Yeah. And so I can't give this album a seven or anything higher because I go, it's not a full album. No. But anyway, uh, would you give it again? A four? Or maybe five. Because I do like the first track. That is your... Oh, no, it's not. It's not your worst, is it? No, because we know what that is. <laughs> We're not, we, we said we wouldn't talk about that. Brief. Uh, let's talk about the good stuff. Well, hopefully. Mannix, you look like your eyes have widened. Yes, yeah, so I enjoyed that album. Go on. Um, I'd give that... 7 out of 10. So, so your 7 is on par with Paul Draper, Spooky Actions, yep. Shed 7, Instant Pleasure, yep. um, and Dubstar, Ultrasound, and Ian Brown. Do yep. you think it stands up? Yep. I do. I think it's not their finest work. Stop I mean, good. it's an easy listen. Yeah, very. Um, very. But I think People Give In is a good track, first track. People Give In is a great start, and it sounds beautiful. Um, Vivian. I don't like Vivian. I liked Vivian! I know you'd like Vivian. Anything that's a bit cringy. <laughs> um, I did like Dylan and Caitlin. That was quite a cute song. Uh, that's the one I've not... It's kind of cute. Can I tell you my comments around okay, that? Okay, go. So I've gone, this is in my meh category. Yeah. Uh, I've said, give me my sweet love by Reef Any Day. Get it. <laughs> no. Can I tell you, and this is on a serious note, I've had that, I've, you know, sometimes when I'm a bit busy at work and stuff, I'm a bit stressed, I wake up about 2, 2.30 in the morning on, on repeat for a while. And I've been doing it a fair bit. That song is always in my head in the middle of the night. What song? My Sweet Love by Reef. I just, it's always, always in my head. And f- I think this morning's the first morning I've not had it in there. I think Kevin needs to go and talk to someone. <sighs> anyway. I don't know what's worse. What do you mean? Maybe that song's in your head and it's waking you up like a bad dream. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, I've gone, so people give in, great start. Yep. Vivian, I liked Hold Me Like a Hammer is good. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, okay. Uh, and Dylan and Caitlin have gone meh and Song for the Sadness I like Song for the Sadness oh what a surprise we are completely polar opposites so like far that. okay so it's Hold Me Like a Heaven I thought it was Hold Me Like a Hammer I don't think so okay maybe I've got it wrong okay I'm sure it's Heaven that's l- lyrically better <laughs> but I could be wrong but I'm sure I was what I was singing but I tend to get lyrics wrong we're pausing ready I hate it when I'm wrong Yep. It was Hold Me Like a Heaven. I did I did remember writing that down going, it's a bit of a strange one. Yeah, it's not writing a song for B&Q. Where the heck was I cut and paste in to get Hammer from then? I don't know. Anyway, all right. So what did you give Mannix? Seven. Seven. All right, so did I. All right. Look at that. I think I had it a bit higher and I've dropped it. I think you had that higher. I did. I did. And I've dropped it because to me, it kind of drifts off at the bit at the end. Mm. Um, but overall, I think it's still a, a really good album. All right, on to the new stuff. And we are struggling for albums, right? So I sort of went out and asked uh, everyone on Twitter what we should sort of listen to. 
Not much, so keep sending them through. But let's go back two years, right? Because that opens up a whole world to us. And it does open up the Gallagher brothers. Oh. <laughs> right, so you've got Liam Gallagher as you were, and you've got Noel Gallagher who built the moon, which I think is a brilliant conversation for the two of us to have. It really is. Um, also, soda, right? Artificial flavour, I got recommended. Now, one of my favourites really started a new album, oh, which no. I didn't think I'd ever get the chance to talk about, but oh. because we're so desperate for albums, I'm going to make you listen to it. Viva Brother are back. Do you remember them? No. Do you remember how much I used to bang on about them? Yeah. Well, they've got a new album. It's called Two. And I'm adding that to the list. Because I'd love to know what you think of them. Have you listened to it yet? Yes. And what... Do you like it? I like it a lot. But I am... I know I'm totally in the minority with Viva Brother. A lot of people hate them. I love them. So, it's so good to hear them again. You're in the minority a lot, aren't you? (laughs) Kind of nice, so we stick stick to your guns. Someone's got. I've got to stick up for the little people. All right? Yeah, yeah. So, and then I've got Mile Hunt, who is a singer from The Wonder Stuff. He's got an album called We Came Here to Work. Brand new friend, I got recommended their album Seats Seatbelts for Aeroplanes. So I got a few, and I also had the Fun Loving Criminals, and I have to try and sneak it past you, but that's a definite no, isn't it? It's a definite no. Okay, damn it. All right, okay. So, what do you want to tackle? Do you want to do the Gallagher Brothers together? Yes. Oh, you want to talk about... Okay. Because I think... I kind of know already what I'll say, but I'm not going to give it away because I think you're thinking... I think you, I think I know which way you're going to go. See? But, but um, yeah, that will be interesting. And I'll have a little listen again. Um, there is and a- I'll give it more thought around it. I've it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about these two because I have I have a, a very different view on on them as solo artists. Um, and again, I'm in the minority. I'm going to get hammered. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I like both of them, but for very different reasons. But I still think both of them are missing. You know, the other half, like yeah. the special ingredient that get miss- back together. Uh, well, that's not going to happen at the moment. Oh, They're amazing. like. Noel's threatening Liam with uh, being sued. Although I did see on Twitter today, because I follow them both, that they're actually, Noel's about to sign for the same record label as Liam. Really? And Liam made a comment, oh, are you trying to get us at the Ah. same place at the same time? That would be very clever. I, I think, I think, you know, it's, it's, it must be so hard. I know how you feel about Oasis, right? Oh. It must be so hard thinking what could have been, you know, and what we've missed out on because they just didn't get along. But to be honest, like, they've pumped out a ton of albums. It's they not have. Like it's, You've you had know, BDI not, and then his solo stuff. Yeah, and it's not like the band we're going to talk about, The Stone Roses, where literally that is what could have been. Okay. Versus um, Oasis. We had a lot of time. I just think now... Given um, coming up to like the anniversaries of you see all these bands coming out the twentieth anniversary of this yeah yeah twenty fifth anniversary yeah. of this and you think to yourself imagine just imagine if they did like an anniversary tour of definitely maybe or what's the story just imagine it would be massive it's just uh, even from a financial point of view the money that the two of them could oh, make oh I just think it would be spectacular would be insane right to see them just play. <clears throat> Definitely, maybe back to back. Oh, like I can't even. 
excited. So like, it excited. would just be amazing. All right, so look, let's let's do that. Let's talk about the two uh, albums by Liam and Noel and see what you think. Oh, that's interesting, right? Yeah, that's it's look at that. You're excited about I'm homework. excited. Generally pumped. Usually it's some rubbish B-rate. Viva Brother is around the corner. Mm. See, and you've decided to take the two albums probably you like the most and, and put them forefront. Um, all right, you ready for the next section? Yeah. Rip up a liner. <laughs> I have a really nice surprise. It's not for this episode, but it's coming. Right, Britpop one-liners, it's me to ask you. Yes. Uh, will you stick to a one-liner or is it paragraphs? I'll try to make a couple sentences. Okay. Depends who you give me because it could start me off on a Rant. snowball of whatever. <sighs> Let me give you... I'm going to give you two good ones in one not-so-great one, right? Brilliant. Uh, well, it was nice to you, I think, last time we did this. Yeah, I think you were. Okay, let me... Do you want the good or the bad first? Bad. Okay, corner shop. Oh, no. <laughs> No. Um, Britpop one liner. Um, I don't really like them. That's it. Oh, that, look, that was really nice. Um, what about Born for the Seventh Time? Born for the Seventh Time is okay, but yeah, I'm not. I've not really ever been a huge fan. No, you haven't. I remember when when you first saw the list and you saw that on there and you started to give me some ratings for some of these albums. I was like, oh. God, like they were shocking because that album is the only one I think yeah. that would even be remotely close to being half decent oh, the one before now I know I'm going to get yeah. slated for that and there's, the thing is right there's always going to be fans of every single band we talk you're about. always going to tick off someone right 100% the fact of the matter is I would never ever 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 go out of my way to listen to Corner Shop oh I do ever never Zero. that album I'll whack on will you yeah once mm. every six months I think because I like it it's such a good album okay um, I do agree with you about the early stuff though alright so that was a bad one and actually you were quite nice about that one <laughs> uh, let's go Go. that was a bad one and actually you were quite nice about that one <laughs> uh, let's go Gomez oh love Gomez um, we saw them didn't we we did see them mm-hmm. not that long ago really was it six months yeah maybe yeah, yeah. okay um they were excellent, let's just say. It was the anniversary of Bring It On. Yeah, yeah very, very so, good. Bring It On, great album. Love his voice. Just love that rootsy, bluesy sound. It was something very different. Yep. Um, Got hammered at school. Yeah, hammered. loved it. Hammered. Um, Liquid Skin, second album. Still a good album, but didn't ever match um, yep. that album. In fact, nothing else has yep. matched that. Decent. So, um, yeah. yeah, but look, one of my... One line um, Okay, Gomez, one of my favourite bands of the era. Love Bring It On. Listen to that quite regularly. Okay. Last one. Stick with the G's. Gene. Oh, I love Gene. Um, <laughs> Are you thinking about gin or Gene? Both. Okay. Um, I love a gin while listening to Gene. Oh. Sometimes you need that because of the... Um, Just because you need a drink. <laughs> so Gene for me, um, beautiful, haunting music beautiful lyrics love his voice um massively underrated yeah okay i do to the deep end like when you that's like a great some album. of the songs olympians a great olympians album as well. a great album in fact all of them and this was one of our surprises was just how good a band they actually are yeah so i agree 100 percent with you i just think they're talent yeah oh, that's, there's your one liner boom nice boom 
All right, anything else? That was not bad. Anything else homework-wise you want to get into before we get into this really special subject? Well, is there anything else I wanted to talk about? I don't think so. Was there? No. Okay. <laughs> you're you're looking know. at me with your legs crossed and I'm all weird. Oh. So I just thought there was. Okay. I don't think so. All right. Sit still. Okay. And let's get into this yep. album, all right? Which, because I know you're so excited, you just move non-stop. Sorry. All right. So number 42, it's the Stone Roses, Second Coming, all right? This was uh, the 5th of December, 1994. Album cover? I don't have anything specific about the album cover, to be honest with no. you. And I did a bit of digging, and I couldn't. We could talk about the album cover of the first album, if you want. Go on. Is yeah, it, are we okay. going to keep going back to the first album? Yeah. All right, so, okay. basically, um, the cover was named by Q Magazine as one of the 100 best record covers of all time. Remind it me was, again, what was it? So, it's like a mess with oranges in it. Um, you know, like, okay. John Squire's artwork. Okay, all right. Um, a mess with oranges is it's hard to describe okay. but um, it's about um, May 68 so I don't know if you've heard about that but no. there was general strikes in France and there were like riots raids so across um, where? in France so at its height it brought the economy of France almost to a halt really? yeah protests actually reached the point where political mm. leaders actually feared civil war or a revolution um, in 68? Yeah, 1968. The May 1968 riots in Paris. Well, they're kind of going through that again, right? They've just been doing a series of riots yeah. over petrol prices. Yeah, and this was around, that was around universities and factories and jobs and wow. the same type of thing. So wait, how does that relate to the album cover? Because this is how it was, um, that's what it's about. So John Squire, it was around a Jackson Pollock-influenced piece titled Bye Bye Badman, which is also a track by the Stone Roses. Okay. And basically, he said that Ian Brown had met a Frenchman when they were hitching around Europe. Oh. And then this bloke had uh, been in the riots and were talking about them. Oh. And he told Ian how lemons had been used as an antidote to tear gas. Oh, okay. And so that whole piece. So John Squire did a lot of the covers. So if you look at a lot of their singles and albums, he does a lot of the artwork. Right. For those in the early days. So. Okay. And that, so he obviously did the second coming as well because it's lots of, of yeah, images within. I couldn't within. find much about that. And it looks very different to his stuff because if you look at the single covers for I Want to Be Adored, Made of Stone, mm. Waterfall, have a little look. Okay. Is your homework. Oh. And you'll see they're okay. all of a similar ilk. Oh, okay. All right. Alright, so that album, the original mm-hmm. uh, album, was in 1989. So it got to number 19 originally. They re-released it, and it got to number 4. Okay, This album uh, also was in 94. So they released, must have re-released the first one, and then yep. to build up the hype to this one. Um, what was the delay? I mean, let's get into that. I mean, that 89 to 94, big gap. Especially after the success of their first album. So, I have <laughs> quite a bit of information around this. So, this was a dispute with record labels, right? Yeah, I saw that, yeah. So, okay. they were signed to Silvertone Records. Now, oh. they had a manager at the time, a guy called Gareth Evans. Now, I watched this documentary um, last week called Blood on the Turntable The Stone Roses Story It's a BBC documentary Oh okay So I had read a lot about it You can hear You know I mean everybody knows There was this whole um, Record label issue Until they eventually signed With Giffen Records So basically Silvertone Put an um, An injunction on them Being able to record 
um, or release any music because their manager had not liked a couple of clauses. So they were not able to record or release any songs for that time. And it went to court. Wow. So interestingly enough, um, in this documentary, they the only person on it from the Stone Roses is Manny and he talks about how just rubbish this manager was. And the manager is on it and he is the most deluded, really? weird man. Oh. Like, he's an idiot. And so you're like, well, no wonder. So basically the story, I think, goes... Allegedly, by the way. No, because he says it. Oh, okay. Like, it's a documentary they both talk on. This oh, is okay. This is exactly what they say. All right, so that's a... Okay. No, so it's not... Okay. It's legit. But well, I'm just quoting what he says. Oh, so he's... So, right, good. So he's on it that. and he's commenting. And so he talks about how he was... <clears throat> his first business was he was a successful businessman in hairdressing, right? In Manchester. This is Stone Rose's um, manager. Yep. And that's just how he started. Then he bought a club called The International, which was in... Which became in competition to the Hacienda. Okay, got it. Because Factory Records... And all the other clubs had banned the Stone Roses and hated them with a passion. Like, they wouldn't let them play. So the Stone Roses tried to um, break out in London, not really in the Manchester scene, which is quite interesting. Um, Noel Gallagher's actually in the documentary too, and he said how he heard Sally Cinnamon, which is one of my favourite Stone Roses songs, and thought, this is going to be a turning point, and this is music I can get into, and this is music that I could write. Oh. So it was a real turning point for him. Okay. So they were first signed by a record label by the name of FM Revolver, but they were a very rocky label and it seemed like a very strange choice. Okay. Um, they were then signed to Silvertone Records, but it was a really bad contract. And like, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of it, but basically the manager signed a complete dud oh. and tied the band up to all sorts of clauses and stuff. Um so basically, they had that. So you probably heard of that gig they did on Spike Island, where they had this massive con- concert so you, for twenty-seven thousand people. So we should probably back this up a bit, right? I don't know anything that wow. much about the Roses because wow. I don't know. I just never got into them at all. Yeah, wow. Never got into them. So, so they do this big gig. So if you can so imagine, like Nebworth, like imagine Nebworth for Oasis or like a got big it. right. Okay. So they did that in Spike Island, <sighs> right? Which is just outside um, of. I think it's Liverpool. Okay. And they did this big um, concert. That seemed to get a lot of traction. Um, And so then, because of that, Evans then went and asked the the record label, who was now Silvertone, for a huge advance payment. Right. Um, They got into a big argument. He said he was going to take the band away. They lapped a big injunction on them, saying that they couldn't record for anyone else. Oh, okay. So... Wow. Manny calls the guy a snake. They talk about how the record label felt sorry for them because they couldn't record and gave them a Christmas bonus of $40,000, which the manager didn't pass on. They didn't even know about it. And even in the documentary, he goes, look, I might not have passed it on, but to be honest, it's my money and I can do what I want. Um, Anyway, fast forward, they went into a court case. The Stone Roses won the court case. They were released from the contract. The manager went to the US. He met with David Geffen of Geffen Records, who have the likes of Guns N' Roses and a lot okay. of the big bands. Yep. Um, they paid. F- he helped them pay for their legal costs. So then they signed with Geffen for £2 million. As soon as they'd signed, the Stone Roses then sacked this Gareth Evans fella. Got it. Who then tried to sue them again. Right. So I guess there was that was five and a half years. Wow. Well, when all that happened. So this is why, for me, it is 
a very sad story because yeah. you think to yourself, what album would they have released straight off the back yeah. of the Stone Roses? Yeah. What would it look like? Yeah. So you, Oasis do definitely maybe then they give you what's the story. Oh, what yeah. would it have been? Yeah, would it okay. have been the second coming? I don't know. Is that album, is it five and a half years? Like, things change. A lot of things Music's change. changing. Um, so take, I think take a bit of that into context when you listen to the album, when you're thinking about it, because it's difficult to then compare it. Really well explained. Yeah, really well explained. All right, yep. Yeah. So, um... Okay. That's the, I guess that's, that's the gap. The, that's the gap. All right. So you mentioned Geffen. So yep. yes. Yeah, so the second coming is obviously with Geffen, Aerosmith's label. Yeah. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Even that's weird, isn't it? Aerosmith, Guns and Roses, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg, Mary Blige, Cher. Cher. Yeah. It's Cheers. weird. It's weird, isn't it? Uh, so producer was Simon Dawson and Paul Schroeder. Um, side discussion being that the original was. Peter Hook and John Leckie on the original album. So you've, did that impact this? Because there's a couple of moments in this record which I do question yep. some of the ways it was produced or how it sounds or what the placing of the tracks a little bit. And So do you think that obviously would have had an impact? Yeah, and they look, they talk around it. So in that, in that documentary too, but what I've read as well, they, usually what happens is a band has an album an idea in their head, mm -hmm. then they go to the studio and record it. Mm -hmm. What the Stone Roses did was they locked themselves in a studio and hoped they would get an album. Uh, so I think even the process, right? Okay. whereas the, the Stone Roses had been touring and playing gigs before they released that first album, like you got an idea in your head what it's going to look like. What it's like. going to sound. Can I, that, it's interesting you mention that point, right? Because I, we'll get to the track by track later on, but it almost feels like they're jamming. In some songs. Yeah. Like they're just sort of like, let's just see where this takes us. And you're kind of just on this journey and you're like, this doesn't feel like a complete song. It just feels like you're filling space. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And there's probably an element of that, if I'm honest. Cool. Um, all right, so I mentioned the producers, Simon and Paul. So Simon has worked with Lightning Seeds, Stranglers, Catatonia, Super Funny Owls, and Katie Tunstall. Paul... Uh, has worked with Beth Orton, Verve, and Top Talk. Tracks, it's seven to eight minutes. It's 12 plus a secret track. Finally, we get to talk about secret tracks, which I've been so looking forward to talking to you about this. All right? And there's a lot of them. Yeah, so it's let's... Like let's one broken into like yeah, 90. Uh, which is... I don't know what to... Yeah. So I will. I knew let's, you'd hate that. let's talk about that when we get to the tracks because yep. I really want to get your take on hidden tracks in general, right? But so this album uh, got to number four. It was forty-one weeks in the chart. Why didn't it go to number one, Les? Why? Actually, that's interesting because people were so excited. I saw some clips and they were queuing outside stores. How come this didn't go to number one? I don't know. Could it be what else was in the charts, Leslie? Could it be? Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, here we go. Are you excited? I'm excited. All right. Okay. Albums first? Yep. All right. And this obviously has the, the roses in it, right? Number 10. So this is, what did I say? 94, yeah? Uh, number 10. Uh, actually, do you want to take a stab? Do you want to take a stab? So, 94, number 10. 94. What was competing with roses at the time? 94. I'll give you... Definitely, maybe. No. Don't know. Okay. 
Number 10, Best of New Order. All right, yeah. Okay. Number 9, M People, Bizarre Fruit. Oh, no. Uh, number 8, Fields of Gold, The Best of Sting. Oh, come on now. That was back in 94. The Best uh, of Sting. Number 7, Your Favourites, Always and Forever by Eternal. Oh, I love it. <laughs> what was the songs on there? Um, you have a think about it. I can't remember. Always and forever. I just want you to know. Oh, yeah, I know that song. All right, okay, cool. And it's the four of them at this point. Uh, number six. I made my dad buy this album. It's Crocodile Shoes by Jimmy Neal. Oh, no! <laughs> my Crocodile Shoes. Is that the album? Crocodile what was shoes. that? What was the. Um... It was from a TV show, I don't wasn't want it? Nobody else. She's lying. What's that's that? so, that's the, the famous song that got to number one. Oh. Ain't no to I just remember the TV show. Um, anyway, but yeah, so Crocodile Shoes, I had that. Number five, E17 with Steam. <laughs> Steam. Number four, Stone Roses of Second Coming. Number three, Crossroads, the best of Bon Jovi. You see the theme here? They're releasing their best of, best and you get like bon another Jovi. every year. Number two, Live at the BBC by the Beatles. Oofed. Oofed. Number one, one of your favourites, Carry On Up the Charts, The Best of the Beautiful South. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Singles. That was a very popular album. But you notice there's no Britpop, indie, not really. But why is the best of Bon Jovi? Why is it up? He's still huge. Yeah, but why is that beating the Stone Roses? Uh... Carrying up the, the charts, I kind of get because there's a lot of good big popularity of, of Bon Jovi, and it's the Beatles. And at what was the, two. Oh, the, yeah, that, yeah. All right, so they got to number four singles time. It's I normally do the top ten, but I've, I've gone eleven because eleven's awesome. Oh, it's the Rednecks with Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> Nigel, I've been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? Oh, what? That was the joke. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Ooh. Number 10, Wigfield, Another Day. Oh, I don't know that one. I only know Saturday Night. Saturday Night, yeah, okay. Oh, I don't know that one. Uh, you know this one. Number 9, Let Me Be Your Fantasy by Baby D. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> Let Me Be Your Fantasy. I can't really sing it. I remember buying that single and playing it on repeat. Isn't that let me be your fantasy? fantasy. Yeah. Let me be, let me be okay. your fantasy. Number eight, you're not singing this. You love that song. I did, yeah. yeah. Think uh number eight is Think Twice by Celine Dion. No. Number seven, here's the reason why he was probably number one. Bon Jovi, please come home for Christmas. Was this at Christmas? When was this when was this take? Oh, it's the fifth of December. That's why. There we go. That's why Bon Jovi's sneaking in there. Uh, number six, we have all the time in the world by Louis Armstrong. We have all the time. The fun-loving criminals. Fun-loving criminals have an awesome cover of that. Uh, number five is Crocodile Shoes by Jimmy Neal. We just oh, we just sang that. Number four, Love Me for a Reason by Boyzone. Oh, what are you talking about? You know that song. No, I hate boy. No, don't. Uh, number three. Oh Jesus. Number three, Power Rangers. Mighty. What? Yeah, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number three. You love Power Rangers? No, I never got into that. That's a lie. You watched the movie because you made me watch it. 
Power Rangers. Yeah. I did not. No, yes, yeah, you did. Oh no, it's the other thing. Transformers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you muppet. I knew it was something rubbish. But nah, I didn't make you. No. But you made me watch Transformers. That's right. You didn't like Transformers? No, you don't. I didn't because I was sat with a face on the whole time. Optimus Prime when you... It was ridiculous. Oh, forget it. All right, okay. Number two. All I Want for Christmas is You by Maria Carey. Oh, <laughs> love that song. I'm not going to lie. It's the best Christmas song ever. I don't want love for Christmas. There is just well, one thing not I need. Song. No. And yeah. I love Actually. Love Actually song. And number one. Oh, this one was number one. I remember this. Stay Another Day by E17. That's Baby, why. if you've got to go away, don't think I could take the pain. There you go. That was good, wasn't it? It's great. It was all right, actually. I remember that chart, that Christmas. I remember that Christmas because it was, yeah, East 17. All right. Can I tell you why I don't remember that? Because I got my first CD player that Christmas, and do you know why? Because Crossroads, the best of Bon Jovi, was what my mum and dad bought me. My <laughs> first CD, along with the Mariah Carey CD, and that single, All I Want for Christmas. And I was like, Thanks. You were giving me some serious stuff. They were gifts. And I remember going... Oh, so you never played it then? Well... It was only two CDs you had. You had to play them. Literally it. That was literally it. What was mine? You two Unlimited. There you go, and? But you bought that. Yeah, I did. Chris Rhea? Hadaway. Hadaway. <laughs> right. I'm not proud of it. It's just, it's there. All right. You ready to get into the, to the sort of story behind this album? Um, yes. Alright, talk to me about this album. So, can I just talk about the Stone Roses in, in general? Depth, yeah, of please? course you can. I just want to talk about them. Um, can I talk about what they mean to me? Stop asking me and just talk. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> I wanted you to try and reflect your mind back to when we were kids. I've got a bad And sure. you'd come round to my house. Yep. And we'd be like watching football in my bedroom, and my mum would pop in, offer you some cheese on toast oh, and a cup was, of tea. What, what poster did I over my wall? Two. Two big posters. One of them was a Liam Gallagher. Yep. The other one I can't remember. I'm guessing it was probably the a big picture of the cover of the Stone Roses. 100% right. <laughs> um, it was so next to the Kylie and Jason the, poster. Well, they, no, they were down by then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Stone Roses mean a ton to me, as you know. Yeah. And my musical journey started probably... So I got into Oasis, as we've spoken about. Yeah. Got into Britpop. Reading about Oasis, you know, mm. Liam and Noel talk a lot about how Stone Roses were a big influence of theirs. So then I started to track down their music. Right. So a funny story about this was I had bought um, the album. Okay. But then I wanted... I used to love collecting singles because you'd get all the B-sides. Yeah. And I've got a ton of CDs. Like okay. My mum and dad say our attic looks like HMV. <laughs> And that, but I'm 12,000 miles away so they just need to deal with it but um, um, I went on a school hockey tour to York right oh. and then we got like the afternoon on the Sunday like we played the game and I think we got the afternoon to go and please ourselves I found and I would love to know where this record shop is and if it's even still open because it was you would have loved it so you went down this little lane in York and I remember you, it was like a door you went in it was small but I had like a little upstairs, like those tiny little stairs you go down and stairs to go up. Yeah, yeah. And I spent hours. So I was in there looking around the singles and I found literally all of the singles I didn't have by the Stone Roses in there. Oh, and wow. they had them all. Um, and I bought them. But then I was two hours late for my curfew. 
<laughs> and I was in trouble again. So it's always the same. Yeah. It's always the same with you. It was a problem, but that's I guess what the. Um, so it was all through Oasis that you got into the Roses. Absolutely. Was there anyone else that spun off from Oasis that you kind of yeah, like? Yeah, loads. Or... So there's loads of like bands from the sixties, like the Small Faces. Okay. I had listened to the Beatles already because my parents were fans. Yeah. Okay. But then you know your parents are listening to it and you're like, oh, it's rubbish. But Liam says it's good, so then I listened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I got into a lot of bands down that track. Um, and people that they had in the Verve, like the early Verve albums yeah, I yeah. got into, and then that just takes you down a spiral, and that's when I started to really love that okay. type of music, um, early Charlatans, and um, all the bands that they would talk about is ones that they they loved, but Stone Roses in particular. Okay. Um, I probably was one of the few people that liked, I don't remember a ton of people liking them. I don't like, I don't think, I can't no. think of another person who actually was into Roses as much yeah, as you. Yeah, and I, yeah. They never got played in the common room. And no. Which yeah. is a surprise. Yeah, which is a real surprise considering some of the music that got played there, but no, they, they weren't hugely popular at our school. Um, you were the only person that really got into them. And that, so look, is the second coming the album I would have wanted them to have released after the first one? No. Okay. Um, do that I hurts still... you to say that. that yeah. Uh, yep. Do I still love the album? Yes. Okay. Um, am I completely subjective about the album? Probably not. I mean, objective, sorry. Am I objective about the album? No. I think I probably love it more than the average... Like, when you go through reviews, and I know we'll do that... Yeah. It's a mixed bag, and oh, I'm talking about a... the people who review it. So, the, like, I've read reviews from the BBC, NME, Q, yeah, um, and people have then revisited it again. Like, they've gone, okay, let's listen to it again ten yeah. years later, and they 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 talk around it. Um, I'm just very sad. At I just wonder if that court action, if that period in time, what have we missed? Yeah, like, you know, what other great songs and music would they have released? Because. Stone Rose's debut album, to me, is going to always stand up as one of the best albums of all time. Yeah. And I will put myself out there. Okay. Um, I'm not on... the only one that thinks that. Okay. Can I just talk about this? Yeah, of course I thought you can. you'd find this interesting. Go on. So in 1997... Yep. Um, in the UK, I remember this, they had the Music of the Millennium poll, and it was conducted by HMV Channel 4, The Guardian, and Classic FM. Okay. What I'm going to talk to you what the ten, top ten albums were... Of the millennium. Of the millennium. Huge. People got to vote, there was adverts, the whole thing. What do you think when number was this, one? When was this vote? 97. Alright, so what do I think the top ten are? And this is not just British albums, this is like music of the millennium worldwide. Okay. Voted by people in the UK, HMV, Channel right. 4. So I think you've definitely got to go, Oasis, what's the story? It's not in there. Because it was held in yes, the UK. Yes, it is. Okay, cool. I was just about number to seven. Okay, because it's held in the UK. Can I chuck in a Prince album? You can, but you'd be wrong. Really? No yeah. Prince album in the nope. top ten? Uh, a U2 album? You'd be wrong. Again? Yep. Oof, especially for the UK. There's one album in this that I feel needs, people who voted for that needs to be, have a real lesson in music. But I would say there's probably two Beatles albums in the top ten. Yep, your favourite one? It's going to be Revolver. And it's going to be Sergeant Pepper's. You're right. So Sergeant Pepper's number one. Yep. Number two is Thriller by Michael Jackson. Oh, bugger. 
Yeah. Three is Revolver. Yeah. So remember, that's the third best album music of the millennium, and you took it back to the shop. So good. Um, <laughs> Aloha from Hawaii by well, Elvis. I'm in the minority, remember that. By oh, Elvis Presley. I was about four. to say an Elvis. Yep. Beach Boys? Nah. Number five, Nevermind by Nirvana. Oh, yeah, of course. And number six, The Stone Roses. The Stone Roses. Number six yep. of all time. Yep. Seven, What's the Story Morning Glory? Eight, Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Of course. Number nine. I was so angry when I read this. Is it Chris Rea? I've been expecting you, Robbie Williams. You are kidding me. Followed by number ten, The Ben's Radiohead. What is that doing there? What is that doing? This, that chart is an absolute, I mean, all of those albums, regardless of whether you're big massive fans or not, they are classic albums of your time. It just shows you that, I wonder if they did it now, I'd love it to do it again. 97, I want to research, was that when he released this album and everybody was like, oh, it's my favourite. Well, that's got, I think it's got the James Bond, is it the Millennium song? Not the, then it's got... Angels. Oh. No. Is that not got that in it? Isn't that his? That's life before life through a lens. That's his first oh, album. Yeah, that's, that's his right. second album. I think. I've got no idea. But anyway, he should be on that list. Let's do a quick check. All right. So it's his second album. We were. I was right. Um, no regrets. Millennium, uh, which awesome film. Got got to give him that. I was just trying to think. Is that is this the one with Kylie on it? It's not. Man, machine. She's the one. I mean, look, there's some big hits on there, but it's definitely not. Number nine? Number nine. Ahead, ahead of... The Benz. Away. That's I'm getting the youth vote for certain. So bad. Um, okay. 1998, Q Magazine re- readers placed Stone Roses at number four. Um, and then Q then... Oh, no, 100 Greatest British Albums Ever. It was voted by number 29 by The Observer. Um Okay. And then in 2000, it received the Greatest Album Ever Award at the Enemy Premier Award Shows. This is a first album. Yep, this is I first album. I notice all the accolades are leaning towards the first album. Yeah, now, I know we're here to talk about the second coming, we but are. I couldn't resist getting those points in. You sneak them in. All right. I had to. Okay. There's a couple of little... Do you... Have you seen Shaun of the Dead? Of course you have. Yeah. Great movie, right? Yeah. Do you know the scene I'm going to talk to? Yes. Right. So they, zombie apocalypse has just happened. Yep. They have no weapons. They're in the backyard. They've got a whole bunch of, of garden appliances and tools. And, and they run out. And they've only got their vinyls. I think they've got Tim's vinyl collection left to go through. And he's pulling out and he's chucking all these albums at the zombies trying to kill them. And he pulls out the Stone Roses' first album. And it is a solid note to throw in that one. And he pulls out the second coming. And he's like, uh... I like it. And it goes back into the crate. So I, I quite like that. I'm surprised they didn't throw it. But, you know, fair enough. Did you see that their first press interview for this album was not with mainstream media, but with The Big Issue? No, I didn't. Hmm. Apparently so. It was um, their first ever interview about this album wasn't done through the, the mainstream media. And I questioned, one of the big things I, saw, I read was how much did that impact them? from a publicity point of view, did the media get their nose up because they hadn't been given first access to the band to discuss the album and they'd gone with this, you know, the the big issue. So, I don't know. I don't know how much that would impact them or not, but definitely something to look into. I got another thought on the album, right? Oh. 
my opinion's changed on the album a bit. Right, it's got every time I listen to it, it gets better. Uh huh. Which is a good thing, right? Do my question to you is, if this had been a, a standard stock standard follow up album, so say you know a year or two later it got released, would this have been met with the response that it now gets? Um, this is like the Stone Roses be here now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I I see where you're going with that. I think- I like be here now. People are mixed. Is it a good album? Right, okay. We're not... Is the story... Like, okay, is the second coming? Yeah. Right? Yeah. A, if it was by another band... Yeah. So, standalone album, released it, you listen to it... Yeah. Would you be going, oh, this is rubbish? Or, I like it? Are we scarred by the fact that the first album by the Soros is so amazing? Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side, do I love the second coming because of who made it? Yeah, it's, yeah. I just don't know because when I read reviews, right, you have got. So when I was doing, I was looking for reviews. I went onto Amazon. Amazon have sixty three reviews. Okay. Of this album. Okay. Only three were not five star. Only three were not five star. People wow. are passionate about this album. I'm, I'll, re- I'll read a couple later, okay. but people like they obviously love it enough to go on and talk about it. But I think they love it or they hate it. There's this weird this relationship weird, yes. with this album. Um, I don't, I think if this had been a stepping stone to another album, this wouldn't be getting the the hate that it gets. Like I don't, I think people would have took the great, the good songs from this album and moved very quickly onto their new stuff, but they didn't get that. So you're sort of stuck with what could have been. So yeah, I I don't know. I just think the timing is is people waited five years and they didn't get the album that they wanted. And I think that's probably fair, but I think. Talking about why that was the case, you've. I think, I. I don't know. I, I just shouldn't really... they have been writing songs in that five years. Like, shouldn't they have been? I understand they they can distribute it, but couldn't they have been recording the songs? No, there was an injunction. They weren't even so they allowed could, to record they couldn't do anything. anything. No, they just had to sit in their hands. Get in a garage, play some songs. I don't know. Anyway, have you got anything else to add uh, before we jump into the singles? Um, no, I just want to tell everybody how much I love the Stone Roses and I'm really glad that we got to speak about them. We're still talking um, about them. There's still I a know, lot Just left. in case you don't let me finish. And then I'm just really excited. But I just hope people go and listen to The Second Coming again and just give it a shot. And that includes you. I've listened... Do you know what? I can't wait to move on because I've listened to this album a lot because I want to make sure I give it a fair go. And like I said to you, every time I listen to the album, it does get better... But there are still some songs that annoy me in the production of the album, I think. I don't know, it's just it's still not But then I'll tell you what, I've I'll tell you right now, I've listened to this album more than their first album. Really? Well of course I have, because this whole But process, do you not like their first album either? I tell well, you well. I tell you what, the first album is better, right? And the first it has better hits, it's better produced, the tracks, it just it just works better as an album. This album has flaws. It has some great songs. Well, it, it does have flaws. flaws. All right, let's get into the singles. Um, all right, so they kicked it off with Love Spreads. Now, I know how much you love this song. Got to number two on the 3rd of December 1994. Thoughts on that song, though? Oh, I love it. I love it. That to me, that's what the Stone Roses is, right? And so I know I'm, like, I just need to go back a step. So when I'm thinking about this album, right? This is so biased, this episode. No, when I'm thinking about this album, 
I've read a few articles and a few reviews, and, and this is, for example, one of the tracks. Sometimes this album doesn't know what it wants to be. Oh, yeah, I agree right? with that. And so I think totally. it, sometimes it's like that real kind of rock, funky-type album, those tracks that, you know, the Stone Roses is of, and that's one of them. Yeah. And then sometimes it's a bit bluesy, and then other times you're not sure where they're going. Yeah, 100%. Um, but for me, this is the... Oh, it's a standout track of the album. Um it does. It deserved, this album deserves to be in our top 50 just for that track alone. So it's an interesting one, right? Because Love Spreads is technically the last song on the album. Well. Technically. Well. And then you've got that mess which we'll come to later on, right? Yeah. So it actually ends on Love Spreads. Where it should have ended. Where, do you think... Yeah, I, I agree. But do you think... Oh, we're getting into the tracks. My question is... It, it. I think it's weirdly placed in the album. I don't think it should be in that spot. I should be. It should be a lot more forward in the album. But we'll come to that. Mm. So anyway, and the other, the other thing I've got about this is ten story love song, oh. which is a gorgeous song. Like even for me, outside of looking in, it's yep. gorgeous. They released that three months later in March, right? So this is Christmas time. They've loved. They've gone in with love spreads, right? Which is a fair call because I think it's the strongest song to catch. It's the more roses-like song. It's the one that probably people would expect. Okay. Not heard them for five years. What do you expect? The Stone Roses. I love spreads. You're like bang. They're back in the game. Okay. All right. You wouldn't have thought. And this is a question, not my view. Do you think Ten Story Love Song? If they'd released that first, you'd be looking at a Christmas number one instead of East Seventeen. No. You don't think it would have got no, there at all? No, because every person and their mum and their gran they're gonna buys buy a 17 yeah, and they're going to buy right. Mariah Carey. No, they're not. I don't think it would have made any difference. You're not, right. It's not a Christmassy song, but I think I personally think they led with the best track. Okay. Love Spreads is very Stone Roses. It's a great track. It's what people... I imagine there would have been a great sense of expectation around the album after that song. Yeah, okay. Okay. Now, the video, you picked up on stuff that I had, and I just went, this is my notes, a collection of images and video, I'm guessing from their tours, nothing exciting, and it's not very good. Their videos aren't great, with the exception no, of random. 10 Story Love Song, which I actually think is quite a well-produced video. But yeah, what did you pick up from the video? <laughs> what I, so you want to, I'll read my notes. Oh, okay. So this is what I got. Uh, Manny dressed up as the devil, a kid buying a gun... John Squire in the bath, Ian Brown naked next to a radiator, and Big Bird in a wheelbarrow. You got a lot more than I did. Well, wow. Okay. That, that's my summary of that. Good observations. I Thanks. didn't get that at all. Because a lot of it's just random stuff thrown at you that I'm like, what is yeah, going on? Yeah, you remember on? the devil when he comes up and then there's Big Bird in the wheelbarrow and Ian Brown's like, oh. Oh, I remember. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, the 10 Story Love Song oh. went to number 11. It was a second single, 11th of March, 95. And the video is a very young-looking Ian Brown. Oh, wow. He looks like... Can I just... I, my my notes, a yeah. very young-looking Ian Brown. Oh, my God, that's what that I've got. 100%. Because he looks like, I don't know, 14. And he looks angelic. He just... Yeah. Doesn't he? That he has an, like, You're like, whoa, that's not the same guy. Uh, on a bed. Yeah. This is my take on it. Okay. Is he's on something. And these, all the visions that's happening around him are while he's tripping. And maybe autumn completely, because he sees some weird stuff nah, while lying that. on the bed. I don't think that. What do you think? You listen about the song. So basically, I just think he's, like, he's lying there and the band are doing, like, they're just doing generic 
like tasks in the house, watching the TV. Yeah, it's very then weird. Then boil the kettle, then do the hoovering. Yeah. And I just think he's someone maybe who's a little bit heart like it's a bit heartbroken, maybe in love. Pretty oh, grim UK existence, right. just lying on the bed, right? Okay, thinking about life, thinking about love, but not much to say for it. Okay, I don't think it's, I don't think it's tripping. I think that's just like. Mm. So I went down a drug path, and you went broken heart. Okay, that's yeah. interesting how we both see it. All right, um, the lyrics on this song are amazing. Right, I'm going to read you them because, like, so what happened was went to the YouTube clip, started watching the video. And when you read through the comments, every single person is just saying the writing on this song yep. is immense. And someone actually posted the, the lyrics. So I'll just read out a little bit. When your heart is black and broken, all you need is a hoping hand. And you need a helping hand. When you're so much in love, you don't know just how much you can stand. When your questions go unanswered and the silence is killing you. Take my hand, baby. I'm your man. I got love. Maybe enough for two. See, oh, that's what I mean. He's lying on his heart broken. He's in the bed. His yeah, mates okay. are making a cup of tea, and you're like, "You're right, mate." And he's like, mm. <laughs> "Not really. I'm going to do the hoovering." Okay. Okay. Um, but just I, I don't. I think that's maybe my favourite song. I think it's just a gorgeous song. Um, number three, the third single, "Begging You." Love this song. I think my favourite on the album. Really? Love it. Number fifteen. I'm begging you. We'll get into that. And I'll tell you my views on it in a second. The video is live footage. I thought this was really clever, this video. Um, it's live footage of them with images of different types of dancing yeah. all over the world. Yeah. Right? What does it end on? I don't know. Scottish dancing. Scottish country yeah. dancing, yeah. So I've got like... But the exotic dancers wearing their masks, their faces as heck. That's right, yeah. The band, yeah. That's right, I remember that. Ladies, with, uh, ladies dancing in bikinis with the band's faces on it, mixed with forms of dancing all over the world, i.e. Thailand, Thai dancing, Morris dancing. Yeah, that's hilarious. And then the Scottish country dancing. I yeah. quite like the video. I thought it was something unique. I've, I love I've seen it before. Love it. All right. Anything else on the videos and we'll get into the tracks? No, I'm, no, that's good. Okay, all right. So, tracks... Starts with breaking into heaven. <coughs> what are you? <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Okay. Eleven minutes, twenty-one seconds. However, here's my comments. It's a good start to the album. It's long, but it's a good song. Take a couple of minutes off it. We'll be all right. Um, I like. I love albums where. The, the first track builds as an intro to the album. It doesn't go straight into a song, but you maybe get something orchestral or a sound effect or a voice sample, something that eases you into that song. That's why this... I actually genuinely really like this song. Really? Yeah, I think it's good. I thought you were going to slate it, so no. I coughed. I was waiting for it's it. It's 11 minutes. I mean, the beginning is four minutes of essentially nothing, if we're honest. But I, I like... That's what I said. Shave... A couple of minutes, either side of the song, and you've actually, I actually quite enjoy it. There's a few things that I've read around this track, and it's about people go that it's as brazen as it gets. <laughs> Who starts an album with an 11 minute track? Who do you think you are? It's really self indulgent. We should be on track three by now. Oh, so they attack the band yeah, for it. Yeah, right. well, and it is, if you think about it, it's pretty brazen. You've not released an album, five and a half years. I'm going to make the first track 11 minutes wrong. I'm not going to have any vocals or any change to the track for the first four minutes. Yeah, okay. How many people do you think lost the will to it or skipped it? So that was another thing. Oh, a lot of people don't yeah. generally understand how great that track is skip it. when you get into it yeah, because you skip it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. What's your thoughts on it? 
Um, I'm probably... I love breaking into heaven once you get into it. You don't like the start? I, no, I don't think get it's... Get into I, it. No, I don't think it's necessary. I don't mind it. I, I, I like the build-up. I think I it takes you... I thought you were going to have it. No! I told you, I've had to listen to this so many damn times that the, the album started to grow on me. There is, don't get me wrong, I'm going to go into, you know, angry mode in a second. But I actually quite like the song. And I'm not, when we play the sample, I'm not going to play the start, obviously, while you'll be listening to Dead Air. But this is Breaking Into Heaven. I think it's, I, I just think it is too long and you lose people, right? Yeah. So, um, Driving South is the next song. Your, your thoughts? Uh, I like the track. It's not like it's... It's not one of the best tracks on the album. It's an album track. It fits the album. Um, it's not their best work. I don't skip it. I don't dislike it. You, it's you, kind let, of... you let it go. Yeah. All right. I actually am in complete agreement. I've put, I didn't mind this. It's good beat, guitar up's good, gets a bit repetitive at times. Um, we're not going to play it, but it's it's not bad, okay? Now, number three, 10 Story Love Song. Great song. 10 out of 10. Love it. It's not 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Okay, 10 out of 10 to Leslie. Here it is. And I don't think have you noted the transition into Daybreak? Because the way first of all, and this is my other thing about this this song, it's a great song. Take the two minutes off breaking into heaven, give me two minutes extra of Ten Story Love Song. I am brilliant, it's perfect, it's what I want. But I will say the transition into Daybreak, sensational. Yeah. Oh I love it. It's just so smooth and you're off and you're into a completely different song. Loved it, loved it, and it's not very often you hear that in an album where two songs are almost seamlessly just merged together yeah. and they just roll. Yeah. So kudos to the John pe- Squire. Boom, brilliant. All right, so Daybreak. This is it's a it's a great start. It's okay. This is a song where I go. They're jamming. They're just yes, put, they're I just they're all I, riffing yeah. no, and they're like this sounds good and it's you know. I can appreciate that. It's six and a half minutes long of that as well. So again, give me but some time back. The album's like, what, 71 minutes, 72 minutes? I bet it's a long album. It's a long album. Long album. Right, so Daybreak, your thoughts? Um, Same? Very similar to you. Okay. Six out of ten. Yeah, okay, all right. Not going to play that. Number five, Your Star Will Shine. I, look, I... Oh, you're crumbling, aren't you? I like no, I like. Oh, you're you're okay. You like. What I mean is, I know this song's not going to be people's favourites, right? But I just really love, and I know this is a weird comment to make because not many people say it, but I genuinely love Ian Brown's vocals on this track. Like I love it. I just think it's. I haven't commented on his vocals, which means that they get a, a C from me. But I just, I honestly think this is such a nice track. I just. I actually do have a comment around. The vocals, and I think it's the production. And one thing I didn't notice from the first album to this, the the balance between his vocals to the band, 
is almost 50-50 on some songs. If if not, it's actually a little bit less. And that doesn't come across in the first album. And there are some songs where you're like, he's singing, but the band is louder. And I don't, I just, I don't know. Did you feel that? Probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> not. Um, yeah, I do. But I, I think, look... I've been through his vocals before. He's not. That's yeah, we've not, been through that. But he. But it's what makes like it's so unique. I agree. I agree. It's like the Sean Ryder, right? Yeah, it yeah, just makes it so unique. And I think in that song, I don't know. I think it's particular. I don't know. I just find it quite a okay. Cute song. I've gone. Yeah, it's it's good. Way too short though. Uh, straight to the man. Again, this is a weird balance. Three minutes, two minutes fifty nine for your star will shine, and you're into another short song of of three minutes fifteen. Uh, straight to the man thoughts not a massive fan of this song I've gone it's very average it's alright yeah, it's just album filler isn't it it is but then you know we fly into begging you oh no no talk to me about this because obviously if you, you... criticise the song I'll dive over this table <laughs> I swear you're not going to dive over the table yet uh, talk to me about can I tell you my thoughts see if you agree yep right it's a belter of a start, right? When that drum beat hits, I, I just go, whoa, this is, I, I love the drum loop. It gets repetitive quickly. You get repetitive quickly. <laughs> Fair call, I do. I'm not going to argue with that. But it's, it's five minutes. Of that- sheer musical bliss. I put that song on. If you ever want to be pumped, if you're ever, if I was going to go to a tough meeting, boom, that's on my headphones. I get that. It, it is a it is a workout song. Like it hits you oh. and you're off. I just at the end, it doesn't need to be that long because the drum beat is actually there pretty much the whole song. Love it. And so you don't get that sort of take out, no. build it back up, and we disagree on that. However, I've wrote it's an excellent song. Ec- oh. Well done. Okay. So this is begging you. I'm begging you. And the sample I just played actually is the bit where it kicks off at the start because that is just amazing. amazing all right okay so we're off we're off we're back in the game back oh. in the game the roses are back then you're into tightrope right your thoughts on tightrope i love tightrope you love tightrope yeah you do i've gone well i like this tightrope, too man. <laughs> love it. it's actually really good actually yeah. and i just i just had a go at his vocals this is actually pretty good yep so this is tightrope Now, good times? Mm. Is it a good time, Leslie? No, it's not. <laughs> not gonna lie. It's not that good, is it? Um, That's a skip song. Skip. It feels like a. I've wrote, and you're absolutely right, it feels like a B side to me. It's a skip song. Boom. Boom, gone. Next. So we are going to skip that. But then you're into tears. Oh, oh. Can I. Can I, I love tears. Okay, yeah, of course it's you can. It's absolute. Do you not find you it. You look so like cute? you're gonna cry. Because I might. I might have some <sighs> tears. <laughs> 
Okay, go. See what I did there? Oh, brilliant. Um, I honestly, Stone Roses are not renowned for their like beautiful songwriting in terms of like a song to really move you or be beautiful. This song really moves me. Like I think his lyrics, I think the music, um, the way that that song is arranged. Like I, I actually play. If I'm listening to the album, I will play that song twice. Like I'll click back and listen to it. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I think it's a beautiful song. I'm I'm really happy that it moves you that way. My one, I I do think his vocal vocals struggle in it, and I do think that is countered by the music levels in this song. But that's just my humble opinion, (laughs) as you would say. However, I do I do like. Isn't it a beautiful? It is a nice song. All right, so I'll give it to you, uh, and we'll play it. So this is tears. How Do You Sleep is the next song. Okay, I like it. I've got This Is Okay. It's, it's not bad. I like this. So, it's, I don't think it's worth playing, but it's a decent no. song. Yeah. It's a decent song. And then you go into Love Spreads, which oh. you have just, you know, you raved about so far. It's a great song. I've gone, oh, this, you're going to kill me for this. Now, this is excellent, but it sticks out like a sore thumb. Because it's a belter. It's a Belter of it's, a song. It's Stone Roses at their best. Yeah, and when you go back to the first album, it's not just one belter. There's multiple huge bangers of songs. Well, the whole album is. This is like the one where you go, ah, that's that's brilliant. That's genius. You're going to beat me up for that, or you think it's okay? No, I think look, it's a great song. Um, it fits with your uh, theory of ending an album on a on a high. Yeah. I do like it. I do like it. I do question if it should, should be it more be num- up front. I, I honestly would start the album with that. Imagine that. Imagine you bought the album. You bang. put it on number tra- number oh, one, Love yeah. Spreads. Oh. Bang. You're, you're bang on. But what Breaking are you- Into Heaven could have been last, right? Because sometimes the last track in an album is long. And skip skip the first two minutes of the noise and sort of play it. And then mix it in. Mix, mix it in, yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. That's a good yeah. idea. Um, I... Like the song, I think it's a, an excellent. It does. It's an excellent end to the album, but it doesn't end there. But um, it's how we're going to end this episode. So I'm not going to play it now. We're going to sneakily. Yes. We're going to play it to end the episode, not play it now. Um, shall we talk about why? Yeah. We're doing a bit of a cheap move here. Fours. Can you talk to me about what the hell happened at the end of this album? I'm not sure, but apparently it's 90 tracks in one. Right. I don't understand it. Oh, I don't get it either. And I'm a mass, and you know I'm one of the world's biggest Stone Roses fan, but I don't. I don't get like it's it's something bothers me. So like this actually makes me angry as a as a as a fan, right? Because I go secondly, which who in the band wanted this to happen, and then second, it would have been John Squire, and then the second of all, who which producer allowed this to happen. And then the third, the record company signed off on it and went, "All right," because it's annoying. Have you have you had a look at it in iTunes? <laughs> have you had a look at how it looks in iTunes? No. No. All right. I do because it's in my iTunes. Right. It is. So now you've you've got the twelve tracks, and then for every single individual track that lasts what four seconds or whatever it is, there's a new line item, new track, in iTunes. So when you're scrolling through your albums. 
there's the stone roses taking up half the bloody page <laughs> because they've got so many tracks that are just nothing. It's so... Fr- and I have borderline OCD. Not diagnosed. It's just the way I... Well, I'm diagnosed it right here, right? <laughs> but it's so annoying. <laughs> so what I did, went back, deleted all those tracks and I deleted Foz as well because I never, ever want to hear that song again. Yeah. Please try and justify Foz to me. What I can't, the I can't, hell is that? But I can't. All right, if no one knows what we're talking about, because maybe they don't, right? There is a hidden track, right, which is four seconds. There's a track of, of lasting about three or four seconds of nothing. And then it goes into Foz, which is six minutes of the worst music ever, right? <laughs> and the screeching violin. Yeah. I've gone, Foz is absolutely miserable. It is actual torture. Turn it off. Like, it's, it makes me so angry. Yeah, it's not my favourite. So, if anyone... Well, there, there can't be anyone who likes that song. I'll bet there is. Can, nah. So, can someone just please... No one likes that song. Please send us a tweet. Send us a Facebook message. Oh, God. Just let us know if you like it. Because there will be. I'll take Mighty More from Power Rangers after that. Not even heard that song. But I'll take it over, over this nonsense. Right. So, anyway... Um, can I get? Can we talk about hidden tracks for a second? Yes. Um, what's your thoughts on hidden tracks? So this is actually, funnily enough, I want to raise this with you because of this. So um, I was thinking about this, and it goes back to what we spoke about in terms of albums, right? So long before the days of streaming music, you'd go and buy yourself a CD. Yeah. Right, and you put the CD on, and no, maybe not everyone, but I would always listen to an album from start to finish. Right. I loved that you'd put the album on, you listen to start to finish, and sometimes you knew there was going to be a hidden track because it didn't finish straight away when the last track ended. Got it. And it would keep going. Yep. Oh, and yep. you'd get quite excited. Yep. And a lot of times, yep. it was good tracks, or it was good music, it was or it was decent. something, or it could have been just like a hidden message, or it could have been something. And when I was growing I up, I used to... But I used to love it. I used to excite me. Now, though, there is no such thing. It's gone. Because it can't, because yeah. well, you can still out, go out physically and buy an album, but people don't necessarily do that. Yeah, of course. How do you do? A, how do you do a hidden track on iTunes? How do you do a hidden track on Spotify? Yeah, like you don't. You just make it number eleven, and that's the problem, right? Because it's no longer hidden. Yeah, because if you buy um, albums, they're not nor It's usually in the, you know, the booklet inside. Yeah, yeah. It would say hidden track, blah yeah. blah, but it wouldn't say. On the cover of the album, you would think it was going to finish at track ten, track eleven, track twelve. Yeah. Then you'd have it on, then it would go in, and sometimes you'd get a fright because it would just be playing, and then something... you forget about it, and then something happens. But I loved it. I used to think, not this. No. So I I liked hidden tracks to some extent because sometimes you got good tracks. I hated the tracks. I, there are albums out there that have like a one liner or even a noise effect at the end. And you're like, what, what was the point? Like, that, that annoys me. Where you listen and you're like, oh, what is it? And then you get some, like, one line. And you wait five minutes. It's so annoying. Or even longer in some cases. Um, the other component, which I was thinking about the other day, is when they were on cassettes. Do you remember on cassettes? Like, and you had this massive gap. To fast forward it to get to the other side. Oh, yeah. no, what I did was, I used to go, like, okay, how long have I got? I've got three minutes there. Okay, cool, all right. What fits in three minutes? And you'd get the sticky sellotape, right? And you'd put it over the ends because you can't record onto an actual... You remember that they have to... You don't know what... Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it, like little bits that you could take yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you tape over them 
and then you can tape on top of that tape, that, that cassette tape. So you would measure exactly how much time you've got, and then the other the other side you would do it is when on, you know, there's two sides of an album, and the cassette tape has like minutes spare on the second side, right? And you you find out how much you've got left. You put sticky tape over the end, and you record a song. Right? Can I can I just ask our listeners? Did anybody else ever bother? Oh, what? Doing that. I did it all the time. Because that is mental. What? So can anybody just please What would you do with all the... Nothing. Just fast forward. Did anybody else do that? Because that, I actually, is taking your OCD to another <laughs> level. No His organisation to, to time the amount of time that it was going to be to then tape it to record over it, when really the reality is you could have just fast forward. No. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. I can't God. believe I'm the only person that did this. Please, you know, someone. A, a perfect example of this is the Ash 1977 album, which keeps coming up. It had a massive gap at the set on, on side two. And I was like, ah, that's it. I'm banging in. And it was, can't even remember what, what song I slipped in there. But it was another Ash song. It was maybe a B-side. But no, I can't believe I'm not in the minority again on this. Other people please, did this. someone, please, just let us know. Oh, this is embarrassing. That's hilarious. All right, okay. Um, shall we get into reviews? Yes. Okay. I'll go negative, right? I'll go. I'll start with a bad one. Shock. Ah. Oh, all right. This is by Doctor Sachs of Rate Your Music. Well, MFers. He hasn't said MFers. Yeah, no. It just yeah. sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Well, MFers, so far this is the only album I've given 0.5 stars to. That's that rate music. You can only give 0.5. Wow, I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't. Every song is terrible. I don't think I've ever listened to a record in which every song has sucked. But I guess there's a first time for everything and this is it. I listened to this the whole way through one day and it was seriously one of the most dreadful experiences I can remember. I had to force myself, with violence at times, that's concerning, not to skip every track after 30 seconds. It's bad. Stinky bad. So and wait, what? And what's up with Ian's vocals? I thought they were pretty good on their debut, but now five years later, they suck. God, I'm just ranting now. Don't buy this. Without a doubt, the absolute worst ever follow-up to an acclaimed album. Even worse than television's adventure. And now I will stop using capitals to provide emphasis. Thank you. So that has made, has made you angry. But like half of this is in caps. Like he is so angry about this album. He needs to just calm down. Um, you got a bad one? I have a bad one. Um, this is by Jesus. Because he's done, <laughs> done lots of these. Brilliant. Um, this is on Amazon. He gives it one out of five. Okay. It was a Herculean task, but they did it. Somehow they managed to take all of the credit and goodwill racked up by their debut album and piss it away within two minutes of pressing play on this dud. Ouch. Breaking into Heaven is quite possibly the worst opening track of all time and should carry a warning against potential spinal injury caused by violent and involuntary cringing. Horrible. Ouch. Now, he's actually wrote something else which is not PG that we cannot, that not even No, that repeat. was my edited version. But that was a really nice edited version. It's So this is, that actually, it's a good point because it comes back to that some people really like this and some people like passionately yeah. hate this. It actually, and that's the thing, we just did Audio Web, right? And they were in the middle. 
they were like three out of five, four out of five. Yep. And like this album, you've got the fives and you've got the ones. And that's what I'm telling you. You go on Amazon and you will see that 63 reviews, I could only find two or three that were one out of five. The rest were five out of five. And I'm going to read you one right now. Go for it. Thank you. So Arnold Lane, five out of five. To put this it is frankly, off yep. Okay. To put it frankly, Second Coming will send you to the outer edges of the universe and back. You will find yourself caught in a cosmic swirl of sound, raw emotions and beauty, and best yet, the journey will last over 70 minutes. Breaking into Heaven is an 11 and a half minute epic which starts the journey. It begins with an array of jungle sounds and tribal drumming, then we hear John Squire's blistering guitar as it enters deep inside the soul to soothe the wounds. Oh God. There is no experience quite like it. The journey then takes a turn through Driving South where Squire's guitar is once again loud and raw. Ten story love song Tightrope and Your Star Will Shine are beautiful acoustic basses songs. Yeah. And Ian Brown's vocals are as good as ever. Tears is a stairway to heaven structure and Love Spreads is a solid contender for single of the year. Fans of the earlier album, which is brilliant, will appreciate Breaking Into Heaven and the manic charge danceable begging you. Essentially, Squire was the dominant force on the album, but Brown and Co. also produced stellar performances. To title itself is bolder than anything Oasis has ever done. Ouch. And remember the roses came first. Conclusively, the recipe for second coming is a pinch of sarcasm, a load of sonic distorted guitar and a hint of lovely lyrics. Put in a blender and serve loud. Top it off, top it off with some nice headphones. Mmm, delicious. Oh, cringe. <laughs> um, so you talked about this taking you to the universe? You can take Foz all the way to Uranus and you can leave it He doesn't it there. mention it. He doesn't? No one mentions Foz. No one mentions no, Foz? I can't find anybody. Nothing meant. No, no, all right. No, I can't. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, I've got a couple of quick one-liners, right? Uh, so this is just one-liners I picked from Amazon or Rate Your Music. Diwu, behold, the most underrated album of the 90s. Phoenix via Napalm, seriously, it's better than their debut. People are absolutely nuts. Marky Boy, the most underrated album ever. This album had extremely troubled Genesis, so it's surprising it's this good. The Zep comparisons have been exaggerated and the album is very diverse. This is one of my favourite albums ever and I'm not ashamed to admit it. And I love this one. Without a, di- without a doubt, the second best studio album the Stone Roses ever made. What a loser. <laughs> Any other reviews you want to talk about? Um, No, I think that's... Pretty much. I tell you what, there are some. Them. There are some great reviews of this album. There's tons. They're they're way like, too detailed, though. I mean, because oh, I got one here, and if you can just see this, look how long that Whoa. is. Um, but I'll start it. It says, "No, sorry, I feel no shame in this. Second coming is a masterpiece. Is it better or worse, or equal to the classic debut? I'm not even touching that one. <laughs> is a California cheeseburger better than a bacon blue? Depends on what you like. Okay. All right. Uh, I think people, yeah, people. There's some really well-written reviews here where people just go into so much detail about how they love this album. So That's because they had such a loyal fan base. That's what people like me. True, true. But in yeah, it's weird because you're so loyal, but yet you're so you're also quite disappointed with the result you got. So it's a weird dynamic. I'm not Matt. Look, I'm I'm not disappointed. Disappointed in the result I've got. I'm disappointed in the fact that we'll never really know. Mm. Like, a band like that should not only be releasing two albums for a start. True. 
and we should not have had to wait for five and a half years because they were on. What I'd love for you to do is to listen to the complete Stone Roses. Okay. Because they've got tracks on it, so B-sides. They've got tracks, Sally Cinnamon. Okay. Like, they've got all of the other tracks, one look. Like, it, to me, is just an incredible collection of songs. And if you listen to that, you'll just see the genius behind them. And I just feel that, that I just think that they weren't lucky, things went on their side, and we have, I feel like, as a music community, we've missed out. Okay. Funny you mention me uh, needing to listen and appreciate to a band more. Yeah. To get them, because we're about to get into the next album. Oh, no. Right, so before we get into that, though, I will give a one-ending paragraph from Sputnik. It's not as consistent and it's not as fun, but it sure as hell was never going to live up to the anticipation. But to have this album described as a sophomore slump is a compliment compared to other examples of the troupe. The Stone Roses may not have been gods, despite what the British press would have told you, but this second coming is still something special. Okay? Boom. I think you said it better. Like, a lot of people are going back to re-listen to this album and yeah. re-review it, and it's more positive. Yeah, there is. And there's a, a lot of things, state. if you go and look, like, they'll re-review it, and then they um, appreciate it for what it is. What did you rate it? Seven, maybe? You gave it an eight. Eight, yeah. Okay. I knew it'd be high. Jeez, oh. an eight. I'm pulling them out. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, you are. Well, that shows you how much I love it. What did I give it? Oh, God. Five. Six. Wow. Okay. Uh, you know what? Depending on the day, I can go up or down on that scale. <sighs> I don't know. That I'll leave it as that, right? Um, have you ever seen The Roses live? Yes. Twice. <laughs> okay. Um, Twice you've seen them. Go. Uh, both times in Sydney. Oh, really? Uh, yep. So, first time I saw them at the... Um, Horden Pavilions, it was a big venue. That's a huge venue. And the sound was a bit lost. It was amazing to see them because I never thought I would. Right. Um, and I remember they came on to I Want to Be Adored and I literally got teary. Oh, okay. Um, and it was it was great, but the second time I saw them live at Sydney Opera House. Oh, wow. Um, I did invite you along to that gig, but you declined. <laughs> the offer and I feel that you should regret that because to no, see no. the Stone Roses in the Opera House and the sound I thought was great and the crowd like the stand innovation at the end I thought was never going to end wow okay it was sensational that sounds special look it was special to see I Want to Be Adored played in the Sydney Opera House it's just it's one of those moments where you're like whoa yeah that's fair that's fair loved it it's probably too expensive for me yeah it was <sighs> probably 50 bucks at- Nah, it wasn't. It was a real... I bet you a tenor at the Opera House it was expensive. And to be fair, I hadn't gone through this process. I still... You would have... You would come... I reckon you'd come now. I'd come if you wanted me to go. I would... Yeah, I think if you asked me to go see the Roses again, I'd go. Um, much like the Mondays. Look what happened with the Mondays. I didn't... Yeah. I, we went into that whole episode, me not really wanting to listen yeah. to them anymore. And suddenly we're going to go see them in a Brilliant. couple of days' time. Brilliant. So, all right. Okay. Um... How did the vocals go on live? Did it was it fine? No issues. Oh look, there's issues. It's what you think. <laughs> like it's Ian Brown without the soft editing behind it. He he cops a lashing a lot. Like if ever, if ever you read anything about him live, or if there's there's a, a comparison around a really rough gig 
They compare it to an Ian Brown concert. So I saw him live, like himself. When? Um, I went to it was a a music festival back in Scotland. Yep. He was just probably released unfinished okay. monkey business, and he was live, right? And it was he was not in a good place, okay. and he was like he does that marching up and down thing on the spot, but he had a jacket on like a puffer jacket, but then he was getting too hot, so he'd take it off and then he'd hang it up, then he put it back on. Then he'd hang it up. Uh, then he was getting um, very angry with the drummer. So then he was stopping the song, uh, telling the drummer to do it again, put his jacket back on. Uh, it was all a bit... Not good. Nah. Okay. All right. Um, so the band themselves, uh, stoneroses.org, and they're at the Stone Roses on Twitter. They are touring, uh, and they're all stadiums. All yep. stadium gigs. So they are playing in June at arenas and stadiums in the UK. They are playing at Wembley, for example. Oh. Yeah. Uh, on Spotify, and um, look, you can pick up their albums anywhere, right? Uh, yep. We bought them yep. this week as well. All right. Are you ready for Armageddon? Not really, because this is horrible. I just don't understand. So I just can I just point something out? Oh, so God. what? I'm nervous about this because yeah. I feel like when we started the podcast and, you know, there was the whole thing around what's Britpop, is it Britpop? We were getting slated then. People have come to an understanding now of what this is. We've come off the back of some really good albums. Listeners are going up. Then all of a sudden we're talking about the Stone Roses and I think this will get a lot of listens. Yeah. If this does not live up to this and you throw something at me because you've got that face on... I, I don't I just don't know what I'm going to do so let me oh, I don't know how to explain this so you can't argue the Excel spreadsheet firstly but I can you can't it's there I, I'm, you know once this is said and done I'm happy to share it with you the formulas are are working out um, so what we've just let's just picture what we've just gone through gone through a Roses episode uh, which you clearly this was interesting enough this was the largest gap where you liked an album more than me. So we said it was eight to six, right? So that was the largest gap, right? This one is a role reversal. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and it is the biggest gap the other way. Now, I give... Before I even tell you this, yeah, we're probably going to cop some heat over no, it. No, no, no. We are not. <laughs> I am, I'm absolutely standing away from this. I don't even know what it is yet. But this we thing can end now, because... Clearly, I've not heard a bad of this. We said at the end of February, you'd be back on social media. You need to have my back on this no, one. No, depends to, what it is. You need to defend me. All right, so this is an album that I really like. Is it Britpop? Probably not. Is it indie? Yes, I'd argue that it is. And very successful album, Leslie. Oh. Some absolute belters in there. You ready? Yep. Number 41. And ironically, this is our... This is our 10th episode, excluding the intro. So this will be our 10th. So it's, it's got to be a big one. No, right? it's not. We're just going to bypass it. Okay. Number 41 is, and it's so funny. I'm actually nervous. Like, I'm so nervous. It's so funny because you've been bagging them out. Number 41 is Reef. No! <laughs> no! No! This is a joke. Somebody's going to barge in here and laugh at me. Anyone? You don't even know which album it is. Doesn't matter. <laughs> oh no! So it's it's glow. Of course it is. Of course it is. Uh, 
I don't. Do you remember how much I used to play that all the time? Too much. Yeah, great album. Right. So, I am. We're going to cop it. I get it. No, 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 we're not. <laughs> You're going to cop. I am standing, listeners. I am standing well away from this. And there will be people who like that album and fair play to you. But I am not. I know. If you and this is the thing. If you like this album, right? Yeah. I can tell by your face, and I hit, I've been in the minority this whole episode. Carl and Reef got smashed. Just someone tell me they like Reef. Would be nice. Um, this out, al- this out. Al- I love this album. It's, it's a great album. Great. And your rating, just to just to say, your rating couldn't have been that bad for it to be in this top fifty. No, because I know I you're going to spin it. it. You're going to spin it about all the other nonsense Did, around it. What do you mean? Spin- <laughs> I didn't manipulate the ratings. You gave me a Excel work the rest out. Okay. So. And the other thing, so I knew, so I've been leading to this on Twitter, saying that Armageddon is coming, right? Because it is, I think. I think it's probably our most controversial one. And oh. I am going to, first of all, I can't wait for you to listen to the album again. And oh, God. Because uh, <laughs> we know how you went with Revelations, right? But I want you to listen to it with a professional hat on, yes, like I have done I will. today. Yes, I um, will. Find some good in that album, please. Has it got Put Your Hands On? Place Your Hands, it does. Right, I'm done. Opening track. Great. One out of ten. Can I Can I say, I actually want to talk about that song because I probably I don't dislike it as much as you do, but it's been hammered, that song. So anyway, next week is Reef Glow. Uh, Glow. I'm going to make that episode so much fun and distract you with bells and whistles about all this fun stuff. You need you to bring get. me a six-pack. Just to get through it. I'll text you the beer. Done. Done. Sold. If I can get you drunk enough to make you enjoy Reef, this is, this is a winner. Right. All right. It's going to have to be. So uh, join us next week. Uh, it's. I'd like to apologise in advance. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It's going to be fun. Knee. All uh... right. Anything else you want to add? I th- I liked that. That was good. Thank you very much for all the work that you've done. A lot of effort went into that and really good for you to talk about your love for the roses. Yeah. So I'm glad you enjoyed that. I doubt the tables will be turned next week. Oh, guys, all smoke and mirrors. I'm going to distract you. You're going to walk away from next week like in Reef and that was your favourite episode. Smoke and mirrors. Sure. 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 All right, everyone. Uh, so plugs at Britpop Banter. Please tweet me saying you someone someone be best friends yeah. with me who you be like best <laughs> be my best friend because you like Rafe email us at BritPopBanter at gmail uh, send your feedback questions and if you liked uh, this episode please leave a rating um, to let us know that you liked it anything else Liz? no I'm shell shocked still so you Could should, I go for you a should start then? listening to My Sweet Love by Reef to get no. warmed up ready to go gonna have to just uh, take a minute but thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Liz <laughs> is going to have a wonderful week <laughs> listening to this episode and writing notes. All right, thank you, everyone. Take care. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.